Welcome to the Ether. Today is Sunday, November 6, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of the two part space hosted by the Y Foundry DAO. Pivot to liquid staking and B assets, also known as Bassets. Let's take a listen. What I want to talk about right away is what just got posted by Binance. They are going to liquidate all of their FTT after uh, Alameda's uh, balance sheet revelations that they're basically only uh, solvent because of their own assets that they issued to themselves. <laughs> They've been dumping on everybody else. Wow. Binance just said 15 minutes ago, as part of Binance's exit from FTX equity last year, Binance received roughly 2.1 billion USD equivalent of BUSD and FTT and due to the recent revelations that came to light, we have decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books. Wow. This is the sort of news as to why my family's concerned about me doing anything in the space. <laughs> I've got so many messages about like, like, are you going to lose all, like lose your house and, or lose all your money? Like all this, like, of course, you know, the big headlines are only the things that hit the news. Um, the big negative stuff. I mean, that's just kind of like the whole media complex in general, right? But oh man, it's just one hit after another. Well, this is great because if if they can bully Alameda out of the market, then we can actually have a much healthier growth back into uh, bull because Alameda that was is, running around wrecking everything. Yeah, that is true. It's like kind of eject some of the bad actors. I mean, this is the time. I mean, I think like cut all of these all of these uh entities jokers loose and let it heal and this comes as someone who um who was in celsius <laughs> for one as well as some others but it's like they give i saw like i saw a meme and it was like they told me to diversify in crypto and then it just had this list of like various companies that were you know had issues and scams and exploits and stuff yeah, it's so great that, I mean, it takes time, but I feel like in meat space, some of these revelations can take decades, right? People are just wrecked and these companies just get to bully everybody for, for decades and decades. But in crypto, it seems like it's barely even a year or two years, and then everything's kind of exposed and, and washed out because we had speculated a long time ago that basically they were buying into things like Solana and other assets and basically getting in at seed price, right? So then they get their 52X or their 100X or their 200X and they'd, they'd go ahead on FTX and they'd open up a perp uh, option for people to use so they could short the same assets that they were heavily you know, invested in in seed rounds 
And then they would short their own assets and then dump on retail and profit all the way down as they drove the price down. Plus, they got all the profits from driving it up or riding it up. Yeah, those sort of games make me sick. I, I do think, like, not only with, I mean, we, we talked about governance sort of topics and you know, thinking through all of the evolution of human organization and governance and just how it's kind of like being speed run on crypto and trying out new things. I, that is hopeful, actually, that this stuff is easier to come to light. And I think it'll just get better and better, you know, the transparency and being able to call this stuff out and shut it down faster. Absolutely. Especially since you have to move things on chain and it's a public chain. The second we have like private chains running, connecting companies together where they can offload. I mean, they can kind of do that with centralized exchanges right now, but, but to interact with the general market, there, there at least is some movement in a public space that is transparent. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Madman. Just uh, keep uh, riffing until more people join. Yeah, how's it going in your part of the world, Madman? Yeah, I was just about to ask that with uh, Alameda Research and what you were describing, them longing it up and then shorting it down, profiting both directions. Isn't isn't that akin to the Soros attack that was speculated on? The the which attack? The Soros attack? You mean for currencies or? What? Uh, yeah, for currencies. Yeah, I thought that's what he, they did with the Bank of England, right? Was that the thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very similar. I mean, I think it's, I'd have to look into that i mean i think there's a line there and this is completely from a lay person like not big brains perspective but there's a line there that is not a set like here's a specific line it's more of a gradient of of like this is totally wrong and this is totally right and then there's some grays in the middle I, I think for some of these entities, they're much further on the wrong side from the like, hey, this is blatant, like insider knowledge, manipulation, like knew this was going to happen and just kind of like playing out this playbook and abusing and dumping on the the small guys where you have the currencies. Yeah, like, yes, there may be analogs and it might be similar, but maybe it's and also possibly some insider information. But maybe that's a little bit more on the the light side of the force when you're talking about like, Hey, this is just a strategy. There's not like specific manipulation that can happen on the same level that happened here, but I could be wrong about that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I didn't even know that this was going on until you pointed it out. That's kind of wild that, um, that this is what Binance is effectively trying to, you know, trying to accomplish. I mean, not that it's, um, I'm not drawing any direct connections, though my words may actually like kind of imply that. But, you know, the end result, like you said, bullying, you know, Alameda out of uh, out of the market space. That's that's kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, that's like the big hedge fund playbook 101 or the like short squeeze these like huge companies that will just drive businesses into the ground just so that they could have a few extra you know billion or million on their you know balance sheet and they're not actually creating or providing any value whatsoever and just to make it clear like i'm 100 like that was uh meant to be a completely um well i, I guess um 
I, I'm definitely not defending any of the um, like centralized institutions or Soros or anything like that. I don't know enough about the specifics to, and I wouldn't go one way or the other anyway. But um, yeah, I think that it's um, it, it's unfortunate sometimes that that can happen, and it happens outside of crypto too, where you have the. I mean, that's what that was the whole like uh, Wall Street bets, GameStop was kind of the little guy kicking back on some of those strategies that were just driving GameStop into the ground through the these like heavy short squeeze sort of like, oh, this company's struggling. Let's uh, squeeze the hell out of it and make some money off of it and just destroy them. Um, it's like, what's the actual value in that? I mean, who who's making out from that? I mean, yeah, maybe some some pensions and, you know, the general person with their 401k and stuff like the average like person. But I mean, it's very localized to certain countries and it's also heavily weighted towards, you know, just the big hedge funds and the big players just getting a few extra, a few extra on their balance sheet and not actually providing value for it. I mean, honestly, like you can make the same argument for the Terra one collapse and some of the shenanigans that kind of went on with with that whole attack if it was an attack i mean i don't want to get into the back and forth on that but yeah i kind of got out of a uh out of a spaces just a moment ago you know they were kind of entering in that you know that discussion realm as to what happened and how it happened and where we are and it's a matter of talking in circles at this point yeah but you are right i think i mean as far as the strategy there's definitely it, it rhymes with some of those sort of strategies that you see and not saying that, you know, shorting in general, you know, that sort of thought, like that's not like the, the hedging sort of strategies, like that's not a bad thing. It's just completely different if you have that insider knowledge and the ability to manipulate um, and then dump on, you know, the average person. Yeah, shorting is healthy for a market to help stabilize prices and keep things from running away when there's not a rational reason for it to run away. But it can also be abused to the point that it's not even it's not rational on that side. And there's no, you know, uh, there's no consideration for the consequences of of extremes on either end. Yeah, I think a lot of these uh, a lot of these financial mechanisms um, or instruments are created in order to like uh, I, the overall like when you take a little uh, like a high level view and I'm again the layperson, not big brains, probably not the best qualified to speak to it, but you look at it from like a, the thousand foot up view and it's like okay, well, like what what's the reason that these instruments exist and like what Ray said. Like, absolutely. There's some measure of that. Um, you know, being able to balance risk is super important to just like the healthy operation of an ecosystem and economy. But I think there's a lot of this that was set up specifically to keep those on top where they're at um, and more easily be able to, um, yeah, essentially stay on top. Well, yeah, the the issue comes in is when you you're able to purchase into an asset at a price below what that asset will essentially ever list at, like yeah. it, like buying Solana at two cents, like like SBF did in Alameda, and and so you buy it at two cents, 
you let it drive up to $250, you short it, you sell out that billions of dollars worth of assets you have that you bought at two cents at $250 or all the way up that way. And then you're profiting all the way down, shorting it. So you're just riding it down, making more money all the way to the bottom. It's a, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, without the shorting piece, it's the same problem that you see with some of the like seed, the like um, startup investing world with the seed seed investments, and then you know there's kind of this incentive to just get to the next round of investments and eventually just kind of like dump on retail as opposed to a pure incentive to build and provide value, and that's you know I mean that's obviously like. It doesn't go across the board. I'm not indicting all, you know, startups and technology companies with that whole system. You, you add the shorting element to it, and then it's just completely like toxic, just manipulation. Yeah. So, so the other thing that Alameda did a lot of that I was personally involved in, um, and I think Clean was involved in as well. Um, you know, so this is part of the YFD uh, foundation of not you know, farming and dumping assets are trying, you know, not, not building sustainable vaults around farming and dumping is because on Polygon, um, we're around with Alameda and Ethereum, but then when Ethereum dumped, because on May 19th, I think it was 2020, and uh, then basically everybody hopped over to Polygon, and when Alameda came over to Polygon, what they would do is they would take they would go into a a project like let's say it was adamant finance or it was iron finance um there were a few others they were involved in and they would they would double the tbl of the entire project they would dump in 300 million dollars or more they did the same thing to um uh, trader joe on on uh avalanche where they'll dump in a large you know amount of the the TVL, double the TVL of the entire project, and then basically farm all the rewards out, all the incentive tokens out. And then uh, they'll use uh, liquidity pools that don't have any uh, interaction with the actual underlying protocol other than taking, taking the incentivized tokens. So they'll, they'll go into the protocols with uh, like WE USDC, or they'll go in with a, just a pure stable pair or WBTC. USDC or USDT, and they'll farm with those. So they don't have any impact when they go and take all those reward tokens, whatever they happen to be for that particular project. And then they just start dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tokens every single day and basically drive the token and drive the project into insolvency within, I think it usually took like a month. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah, the Adamant Finance project, they actually, the developer said, I will burn this down and I will lock you out of your liquidity if you didn't get out of my project right now. And they left. So that's the only time like a bad admin rug could have actually benefited, uh, benefited the ecosystem. Yeah. That's another and thing. To think I was going to joke. Uh, I was going to joke. So what if, you know, Alameda comes in, you know, decides to... Uh, Launch of YFD, you know, vault and short all of IBC to the, you know, to the ground. What are you guys doing? Yeah, we can't do anything other than that. The uh, 
the project when well, we don't have a we're no, we have no there's no incentive token so it's not going to affect yfd at all it would affect whatever the underlying vault assets would be but the boule the community itself could stop deposits you know an emergency handbrake that vault and say hey you can take your funds out but the vault's no longer functioning uh, but there's no way for yfd to in the mechanisms and governance to actually touch anybody's underlying tokens and that's great to hear you know and it was only just a joke you know uh, dubious speculation at best no you it's know, good we, we thought about it <laughs> not in that yeah, we, we want to do it but we thought about yeah, protecting we, from that yeah we, we've talked about that among other scenarios and i, I think that's why you see some of the mechanisms like the um, segmentation of the risk across the different vaults um, being essentially separate from each other. Um, and, uh, you know, if it's not, if there's an unrelated asset that doesn't touch a particular vault, like there's a vault that's not built on a strategy, it doesn't matter. Like, it'll have absolutely no impact if there's some, you know, issue with an underlying asset on one side if there's a vault that's completely different, you know, so trying to do like looking at all of these different attack vectors and, you know, I'm not going to be naive to think that, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's an arms race, you know, essentially there's always going to be something to, you know, w what's the next thing. And then what's the, what's the uh, latest exploit of that next thing. And then what's the you know next thing on top of that. So something to keep moving forward and i think that this is just a start and these are all we've thought through some of the some of the things um and then what ray said and he just kind of mentioned in passing that we there is a process for the boule the community there's uh emergency you know handbrake sort of process that you can easily you know kind of stop anything the community can decide to do that not any sort of like admin team or anything but sort of that same sort of nuclear option that'll be available to the community if they see something going on and they have the ability to move fast on that that's wonderful to hear yeah we're really everything's pretty set up to be decentralized so there's um all the governance action the contract administration goes through the community gets executed through community votes, gets instantiated through community votes. There's no core team deploying any vault strategies or anything like that. Yeah, and moving there... to centralize. Oh, go ahead, Madman. I was just going to ask if there was any, um, you know, any perspective on like the types of bullying through community votes, um, you know, somebody with a majority share, you know, almost speaking to like the 51% attack. Yeah, I, I mean, if that happens, they, I, the the outcomes would be vaults could be shut down, uh, vaults could be set up, uh, but there's no there's there's no mechanisms in the contract code to. I, we've already talked to a couple of auditors, and they're really excited about auditing our project because it's different. There's no uh, mechanisms in the contracts themselves to manipulate or move funds around. It just doesn't exist. So there's no there's no mechanisms in, in governance to say, oh, I want to you know do anything with these assets in this particular vault. It's all of the all of the manipulation or all of the activities regarding funds in a vault are isolated to the vault contract itself. So those are completely siloed, and there's no 
mechanisms for one vault to interact or governance to extract assets out of a, out of a vault. The separation of concerns. Absolutely. You have to identify conflicts of interest. And obviously having someone having 51% of the vote is a conflict of interest for anybody in a vault. Yeah. And I think like all of these um, games, just tie it back to liquid staking and B assets. And I was chatting a little bit with Ray before this space generally about how unqualified I am to speak to it because the more I get into some of the some of these mechanisms even though I was initially excited um and I think there's definitely utility again goes back to the tools in the toolkit some of it gets to the point where it's just like like how much of these games are actually useful like I think there needs to be a good reason to use some of these mechanisms if not like, why can't you find another approach that's perhaps a little bit simpler and less prone to be able to be sort of gamified? And I think, like, as a platform, looking at YFD as, you know, how can we have that, um, you know, decentralized, you know, sort of, like, co-op marketplace that, I mean, like, very early on discussing, you know, how YFD is going to operate and the token itself as well. Like there's been conscious efforts to avoid some of these sort of um, over financialization, let's say of, of the token. And like, what are, what do we actually want the, like, what's the point? What do we want the marketplace to do? Like how close can we get to a pure sort of governance token? Because that's kind of the, the utility of it. Um, yeah, and that's not to say, like, I, I mean, I was full, fully in um, Anchor and would love to see, you know, some of those, the 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 concept of B assets is super interesting in particular to me. Um, thinking through the like the AUST, the, I mean, that was just like, how can, could you have, I mean, it's so useful from a strategy perspective, having that like steadily, even slowly appreciating asset um that you could kind of rely on i think that concept is super powerful now the aust um do i understand it correctly that you know that that functionality kind of is uh is you know like either broken or halted at the at this current juncture or is it actually still working no No, it was being propped up by tfl they were pumping money into it behind the scenes because it's not solvent Right. I, I was originally, you know, with the understanding that the, um, you know, that the Luna yield from the B Luna um, on, you know, Terra Classic, you know, back then was supposed to subsidize the um, the UST deposits, you know, such that the AUST could hold its, uh, you know, hold its ground. And I was, I guess, confused or conflicted, you know, with regards to understanding as to why there was you know, repeated capital injection into, uh, you know, into the system, you know, to accomplish effectively the same thing. So I didn't understand, you know, fully the connection on it. And I think that some of that was intentional misdirection as to the reality of how it was performing. Yeah. So, I mean, I think divorce the actual AUST from the concept of that sort of steadily appreciating asset, maybe it's should be appreciating at a much slower rate than you know twenty percent um, APY. But um, yeah, that's uh, I, I, I do I, I I think there was some uh, 
I think there's a balance. It's not like I'm necessarily opposed to using, you know, some some of those uh, kind of yield as marketing sort of tactics, but it was definitely not presented as such. It was presented much more solidly, in my opinion, that, hey, this is sustainable. Um, and there wasn't as much of that going on. But Yeah, so we can jump off of AUST and say that I think auto repaying loans, which is essentially what AUST is or anything else is, is basically a way for you to to accumulate yield into a token without having to do any auto compounding. It's all built into the token infrastructure or the infrastructure behind the the token itself. And B assets, bonded assets are basically the same thing um, to a degree where you know you're depositing your underlying asset, which let's call it a collateral asset, which is essentially Luna, right? For B Luna. And then that Luna is gone off and put in places that uh, require some yield. And then that yield is represented back into the pool of the assets itself, which then allows you to essentially extract more yield when you cash in your, or extract more Luna than you put in when you, um, when you, uh, change your B Luna back for Luna. Now, do I, do I understand it correctly that the original B Luna, because, you know, like moving it, you know, moving into the space that we're, you know, that we're at now on Terra two or, you know, new Terra or Terra, if you just want to call it that, you know, not, you know, keeping uh, classic uh, separate, the, the yield for the B Luna, uh, that is bone Luna this time, not bonded Luna, um, that the yield is kept to the user and the holder of that token. Do I understand that correctly? And, you know, whereas uh, the B Luna on classic, you know, the, that yield was given to the protocol. You know, it would be best if uh, JG or skeleton punks would come in here, but as I understand it, the, the, the gains from the bonding process and the staking and into uh, validators, which is how they're building the yield off of the bone Luna. Uh, that goes back to the holder of the bone Luna, which is everybody in the bone Luna pool. I mean, essentially it drives up the price and you just have a percentage of the pool by holding the bone Luna. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Now, how uh, how did you feel? Like um, maybe I shouldn't ask how you feel. That would sound like conflict of interest or something like that. Um, uh, do do you see that uh, like either strategy holding power, or uh, I'm not sure if effect is the best word. Um, do you see one strategy being more effective than the other uh, with you know with respect to that type of uh, approach to the the stake derivative and the underlying asset? What are, what are the two strategies that we're comparing? Uh, B Luna one and B Luna two, and you know such being the end result that we're you know that we're seeing you know um, like, like consider you know Anchor Protocol you know didn't have higher yields than what was being offered through the stake you know uh, through the staking yields you know such that it could be a lot more you know sustainable versus you know the new approach that we're taking now. Um, of course, JG's not here to to kind of like you know elaborate more you know on the difference between the two, but and I'm not as high energy as JG. Um, I don't I, I don't really have a lot to speak on on the original uh, B Luna, but I definitely see that 
you know, if if everything is done in a contract and if the yield is represented honestly through contract interactions, like the contracts being harvested uh, or harvesting the yield from the validators and then putting that into the pool that essentially drives the price or drives the exchange rate. I should say it's not even a price related. It's it's the exchange rate between B Luna and Luna. Then I think it's uh, I mean, there's obviously utility there. There's really the only way that I can see that the price, the, the, the exchange rate of Luna and B Luna in a, the new format that the skeleton punks are doing would go down is if the validators who the Luna was being staked with were slashed. So if the validators are slashed, then that's where the Luna was stored that was backing the B Luna. Then you're going to have a deficit of Luna backing B Luna. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, and I, I see we have somebody in the, uh, you know, in the listeners, a certain somebody, I guess, speak of the devil and so shall he appear, right? They always summon um, him. If you could invite him to the, oh, oh okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, here he is. Yeah, he's just graduated to speaker. Cool. Good to. Hey, brother. Hey. Hey, guys. Hey, we were just talking about Man, you. Man, that's exciting. I wanted to say, so, uh, you know, we also are from speaking with Max, and you know this is obviously a learning process for us. Uh, we're going to be able to change the pool to that stable pool that they all want, and we'll be able to do it all in in one proposal. So everybody's who's already in the pool will be fine, and we'll just be able to convert it into the that stable swap format that Max was talking about in the in the forum. So that's pretty exciting for us. We're really actually excited that we were able to do that. <laughs> awesome. Um, another thing is, is that since, I mean, there's not very many people here, um, I'm going to just talk about it. Um, if you guys have looked at Backbone Labs, we now have a, a launch pad coming soon. And uh, we have a very specific uh, use case for our launch pad because we've been a rugged project before. Uh, one of the things that we're going to begin to implement is a self bonding process or for, for projects that want to mint with us. And we're still trying to work out the numbers, but essentially it would be something like, if you want to mint um, Backbone Labs, uh, you would have to commit 25% of your mint into a vault. And I'm hoping that uh, Y Foundry will help us with this vault. And that vault would then actually be an LP pair of Luna Bone Luna, which would help the, the liquidity depth uh, in the bone Luna Luna pairing and the, the uh, liquidity, you know, having it being a really truly liquid staking, uh, that would be there for six months. At the end of six months, we would the project would either come and say, "Look, we've completed our roadmap. We've been working on it. Everything's good," and we would then release those funds with the interest back to the community. Now, if they happen to not be good characters the community could come forward and claim those funds at the six month mark and that, that they would have at least, you know, maybe 35, 40% of the original mint to then carry forward in some type of manner if they want to try to continue with the project. So for us, like I know that if we would have had something like, like this in place, when our original mint came through, this would have been a, a, a huge boon to the community. And we would have actually been able to, if like, we could have done anything, we could have took legal action. It would just gives them a lot of options, right? So, this for us is a twofold thing. It actually kind of bridges the NFT communities and the DeFi community. And we kind of want to make Backbone Labs like a hub where these two communities can uh, kind of join together. And so 
we can use the NFTs to actually support the liquid staking model and the collateral uh, and vice versa, right? And as a security for the, for the communities minting these projects. So that's our, our next uh, angle of what we're going to do and like how we're going to try to get this information out and try to get excitement again into the markets. And um, I mean, we want to offer this service also to uh, nowhere and random earth and anybody else. We want to be able to have them say, Hey, if you guys want, you guys can self bond your project for six months and they can use the backbone labs vaults. So something along those lines, we're still trying to work out the details, but it solves a lot of problems all at once for, for what we're trying to do. So I'm kind of excited about getting that out this month. So is that to say that the NFTs move from, you know, perceivably certificates of authenticity to certificates of deposit? Are you talking about for Y Foundry NFTs? I don't understand. Is that what you mean? Uh, for the, yeah, for the NFTs that were uh, going to be um, minted on your launch pad. Okay. So for the NFT, so it's like, it's like, a, say you had an NFT collection and you wanted to bring it forth and launch. So for us, we would say, look, um, we, we, you know, we would, would expect you to, for, to put 25% of the mint that came in into a vault. Now your NFTs would be, are able to be sold anywhere after, after they're launched, we would have a, you would need to contractually be on a secondary market, like nowhere or random earth. But all we're offering is the security of doing this bonding process and at the same time helping the DeFi engine continue to be secure and strong. I feel like uh, I understand. Um, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like may, maybe I haven't thought out. All yeah, yeah. Thing. It sounds yeah. somewhat like an escrow. Sort of, sort of. Yeah, sort of. It's like, but it's it's an it's a vault that will LP and continue to grow for the project and for the community. And at the same time, that vault is part of the LP pair, which will help the liquidity of the Luna Bone Luna pairing, uh, so that trading stays uh, smooth. Right. That's like a concern yeah. for us, also. Yeah, I, 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 I dig it. I dig it. Cool, um, I, I'm definitely a fan of lock liquidity. Yeah, we're trying to get it going. We think I don't see why anybody should be doing any transacting in anything but an LSD. Like we should lock up as much as we can secure their network as best as we can and only do things in Bone Luna, <laughs> from my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, well, in a, in a manner of speaking, I was um, I did reach out to PFC to kind of uh, speculate on you know some of the smart contract risks when it comes to you know trading with an LSD uh, versus a uh, like a bridged or wrapped token you know because you're forfeiting the rights to the underlying asset you know with the promise of the tradability and you know um, the maintenance of uh, the value on you know therein. Um, I'm exploring the space and I'm definitely getting into, you know, LSDs. Um, and I couldn't just, uh, I, I, it was an itch I had to scratch and I've been trying to like, you know, get, you know, talk to the big brains, you know, with uh, some other risk before I, you know, before I uh, publish anything. Well, if you want, we can always uh, make a group and I can get you access to probably talk to whoever you want to talk to. We welcome all type of feedback because I'm not going to lie. Like this is totally, we are on a learning curve here. And I mean, if you've seen, if you've seen our NFT project, like we're just trying to do the best we can with, with, with like what little we had. Right. And so like, for sure, like we are definitely learning as we go and, and, you know, your input has been great. Max has been great. We really appreciate all these people who are taking the time to uh, participate and engage with us hundred percent. We really do. I dig it. You know, I'm here for it. <laughs>
Hey, Ray, so this brings us back to our, our conversation we had the other night. We need to make these vaults happen, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking through it. There's a lot of different ways to, to, to do what you're talking about, and I'm just thinking through um, how, how to make that happen. I mean, essentially, you've got to, like one of the requirements is, is having the assets be active while they're while they're waiting to you know find a home a permanent home basically while they're idling until they're unlocked in the vault they would be in the lp pool for bone luna luna is what you're saying i mean that would be the ideal formula because we really want to protect the liquidity and the trading of the pair right that would be the most beneficial to the backbone labs uh, entity and to the LSD that we're trying to stabilize. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking through some of, some of that. So the issue right then becomes, um, we can, we can just dig into this technically cause that's fun and people are listening is, so the issue becomes like, how do people contribute, uh, to that fund? Like, do they pay in and to the, when they fund a launchpad project, are they launching it with Luna or B Luna or both? So, I mean, this is all stuff that we're still trying to work out. So say, like I said, hypothetically, a collection is like, yeah, we want to launch with you. And they agree to this 25% uh, split off. So they could, they could mint in whatever they want. And then we just convert it to the half and half pair for them because that will generate the most yield in the equation. Yeah, you just have to... You, like there's uh, is entropy the right word there's a no it's not um y you have to you have to create the other side of that pair so you've got to sell an asset or buy an asset to to do that pair so there's going to be trading going on well no um, because look if they do it in luna all we have to do is stake the luna somewhere and it becomes yep. bone luna right and then you just stake half and then you have half and then you lp it i don't i don't know well, right. would you imagine a world where um, you know, users could uh, mint the NFT, say, with uh, Atom tokens, you know, to get that and such, you know, the uh, the funds are, you know, pushed towards the Luna B Luna uh, contract that would add some sell pressure on the Atom token or whatever um, non-Luna uh, assets are being used to establish that mint, right? Man, that is a clever idea, man. Whoa. But you have to get back out of that. However you wind yourself up, you have to unwind it or you have to be clear on what the people are going to get back. Because the thing is, right, it, we looked at this when we did YFD. The thing is, is if you, if you use your tokens as the funding mechanism for the underlying project, I mean, you have to assume that the NFT project that's going to use the launchpad is going to liquidate those tokens to do whatever they need to do to actually fund themselves, right? So if you're giving those, if, if you're, binding those projects and launchpad projects up in your own token, you're going to put, eventually put sell pressure on your own token because they're going to have to pay for food and light and all that other stuff, you know, and meat space. Well, I mean, I think that any project that's minting anywhere on any chain eventually has to suffer the, the fact that people need to have real money and real currency. I don't, that's not negated. But, you know, if they are on the chain and they have belief in what we're doing, then I don't see why anybody would have any problem in saying, yeah, no problem. Let's LP this almost stable pair because it's, it's there would be such little impermanent loss uh, happening between the 
the Luna Luna pairing mm -hmm. that they're not really, if you're bullish on the asset, then like what do, there should be no qualm in saying like, yeah, well in six months you put in 25%, but you'll actually have like 40 or, you know, maybe 38% in six months more, you know what I mean? In, in total, you know what I'm saying? Something along those lines. And it's, it's so at that point it protects the community and it also shows the commitment of the project. It's like a, it's a, you know, I don't want to be doxing everybody. That's not what I'm interested in. So if, if they have a little extra skin in the game and it, it takes them a little longer to get the money, then, you know, maybe they actually do see the roadmap through and maybe the community does get strong enough. And if something does happen, then, then the community is established enough where they can come claim those monies and, and, and carry on in some manner of their own, right? And these projects can live. That's my concern. If, if I could pin something to the nest and I invite, I would invite you to, you know, all of you to uh, kind of rip it apart um, because uh, I think it was Ray that was just talking about the matters of, you know, putting that sell pressure on your own token. If you were, uh, you know, you were effectively doing that. Um, I'm wondering if this effectively holds a, you know, a particular um, special space or special place in the considerations coming out of uh, you know both parties, both JG NFT and uh, you know and you know and Ray Raspberry, um, it was a matter of you know providing like some type of cross chain collateral or, or cross chain uh, you know assets to such that you know the liquidity could be locked in an LP you know with you know an asset that could that would either be designed to or that could just withstand the sell pressure as it was effectively designed to. Um, it's something that, you know, that has been brooding in my, uh, in my mind since the crash. Um, and it's something that I've been kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say working on in, in private because I, I kind of, I've been on spaces, um, you know, since May and, you know, uh, in publishing it, you know, on the Garo forums, you know, trying to get people to kind of rip it apart so that I can, uh, so that I can explore it at a smart contract level and at a coding level, you know, um, what kind of mitigations I could, you know, I can put in place to alleviate the concerns to make something sustainable. Um, now, if the asset was designed for downward pressure, um, and a downward valuation over time. Would would, would you would you agree that that kind of addresses the you know concern, at least for those who um you know who intend to buy into it, um, if the liquidity could be locked in a delta neutral perspective? I didn't even think about that. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I'm gonna lie. In the example I I I, I shared, um, you know, because at the time. Um, you know, uh, Spectrum and Apollo were the only uh, technologies in the uh, Terra, you know, the Terra blockchain that, you know, that were dealing with uh, auto compounding. And at that, at the time, you know, I was thinking of, you know, like a, uh, some type of derivative that could, you know, that could form. I was only learning about um, Prism at, you know, when it came to it and the, I, like the P Luna, Y Luna, C Luna, like it blew my mind. Like I could, I could barely wrap my head around it. But I was getting, you know, getting some exposure through the understanding, you know, by the use of uh, kinetic, you know, kinetic money in their, um, their version of, uh, you know, the stake derivative uh, KUST, um, which, you know, used the anchor yield to pay back the loans on, you know, whatever uh, debt that was, you know, created, you know, on their, on their platform, which 
effectively established a true self-repaying loan. Um, I mean, man, uh, manual action was required on Anchor Protocol to accomplish the same, the same thing, and they kind of found a way to, you know, kind of automate that. But there was effectively me, you know, seeing a, you know, a type of crossroads between lock liquidity, compounding um, liquidity, and uh, staking derivatives, you know, such that I thought that, you know, an idea like this could, you know, could stand. And to that end, I, um, I couldn't see a lot of uh, collaboration or agreement. So, I, you know, I've just been, you know, exploring, you know, through the summer, you know, uh, with my local test net, uh, you know, what I could do to kind of like bring this about myself. Then maybe if it stands on its own two feet, it could probably stand the test of time. Yeah, there's the one thing you never ask a DeFi project is what do you do when your token runs, when your inflationary token runs out? Because that's the problem with, uh, I think, are any of the projects you listed still functional right now? No, but there's another project. Who's Spectrum is still used. Spectrum is oh, yeah, still yeah. running. But yeah. but uh, isn't I think Eris is also using components of both now. No. Yes. Like yeah. So they're doing the staking derivative a, and the compounding. Yeah, that in itself was another topic. Yeah, but, Spectrum was a wipe though of the board, right? They just like started over and they're back in Astroport now, or did they migrate? Um, from what I saw on the chain, they migrated the, um, you know, the contracts. Yeah, I think they're on, on V2 now also. They're, they're definitely on V2. Yeah. I, I love, like, I think some of these concepts, especially self-repaying loans, protocol-owned liquidity, like, these concepts are super powerful, and there's definitely something to them. It's all the devil's in the details and doing them the right way, because I think, like, version one, which is probably how it would always have been i mean you're not going to hit it on the first try um version one the 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 big problem of like to raise point like being propped up by inflationary rewards or being subject to anytime there's some macro event crypto has a hiccup then liquidation death spirals and things of that nature like i think that's the challenge like how do you make these it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, with shorting strategies, Ray. Um, how do you make these, you know, more um, less risky and more stable over time, so that you whoever's in these know have a better idea of what they're what they're getting into, and there's less potential to get completely wrecked. And of course, the projects, you know, I mean, they need that steady stream of funds for making things happen. Yeah, and I definitely don't want, if I'm saying anything that's like, I'm not trying to be uh, negative about anything and more, more just questioning and fleshing this stuff out. So definitely don't take anything I'm saying as like, the idea is not good or it's good. I'm just like really kind of exploring these concepts with you guys as much as we can. That's all I would ask for. So let me ask you guys something. What are you guys excited about? What's happening right now that you guys, that's got you guys kind of going right now in the market or the Binance is going to liquidate Alameda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big green candle for me. Yeah. yeah Throw yeah, the bombs yeah, yeah. out. I'm so tired of all, all like these like shady guys who just come in and like take advantage. But this is all part of this. Like, you know, when you got to go through that refining process, you got to find and get rid of all the stuff. That's just garbage. Right. We got to shift them out and get them, get rid of them. Yeah, when you put on your balance sheet that you've got eight billion in in FTT, and the circulating supply is only three billion, and and Binance holds a a good chunk of that, I'm interested to see what happens when Binance liquidates the uh, 
liquidates their holdings. Yeah, these valuations just drive me nuts. And I, I saw something from a project. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's a smaller project. But they're looking to actually uh, take their project tokenless. So they're pulling, like, doing some sort of buyback of their token and, like, getting out of the game because there's the opposite problem where they're like, we act, we our treasury has, like, you know, however many millions in uh, USDC, but our project is valued at half of that. Like, how does this even make sense? You know, some of the, like, disparity there. That was ARCX. Yeah, that's it, ARCX. Yeah, they're trying to unwind themselves from using a, using a token. That's basically, like, the new equivalent of taking your company private, really, and then when you're ready presumably releasing the token again maybe you don't have to you, you know and if if nobody's got anything else to add to that another thing we can talk about is governance uh using a no with veto vote uh as a way to um you know influence a proposal if that makes sense uh having a no vote you need a majority 51 percent. but um like in the cosmos space in in some of these chains like uh, Cosmos Hub, uh, if you vote no with veto, you only need thirty percent of the uh, of the votes with no with veto to to do the same punishment as as fifty percent of the vote. I don't know if anybody else is following the Adam two point proposal that's going through right now and the slings of no with veto that are going back and forth between all these validators. I mean, I ever since this tweet came out from Do Kwan, I feel like he's kind of flipped the game again about this uh, like liquidity alliance stuff is gonna it's gonna make a play at everything again. Personally, yeah, the, the field's definitely open. There's uh, warring factions right now in the cosmos, and they're they're laying their cards out as we're seeing in the uh, Atom 2.0 play. It really speaks to the tribalism you um, you know you guys had talked about in a few spaces ago. Yeah, it, it does. It totally does. For sure. Yeah, there's just the poor builders in the middle like us that are just trying to walk the line and be like, we just want to build stuff and put it places and have people use it. And people feel like their lives are better for using it. Don't really want to like get a tattoo <laughs> for any particular uh, faction that may or may not have happened in the last month. Hey, that, that tattoo did not age well. <laughs> that moon hell. <laughs> oh my God. If you get tattoos oh. in the crypto space, you're going to, it'll be a lot of back and forth with removals and like a, <laughs> a tattoo of other tattoos over that tattoo to hide the original one. Maybe just on my back and get the whole like, here's the Terra 2 ecosystem and projects that are launching and just have to constantly mark them out and add new ones. Yeah, we must be getting closer to a bull market. People are starting to feel a little bit braver about throwing shit at other people now so that's exactly a good sign of of people's uh, sentiment and uh, excitement is when they start to get a little bit of competition uh and rivalry uh energy going without a doubt yeah if you're at the tattoo yourself phase of the bull market then you know that you should probably be selling probably whatever you're tattooing your... <laughs> yeah what if you're at the tattoo yourself phase of the bear market <laughs> I think no, that's, it's, called, it's, I, that's called suicide. That's called suicide. I think it's a it's brand at that point. The brand yourself phase of the bear market, right? Same thing, but a hot iron. Oh no, that would just anything we can do to get attention at this point phase. 
Honestly, you know what the craziest thing is to me is that, you know, we're in, you know, all this economic turmoil, everything is, uh, it probably more dire, you know, than it's been in a long time, but the technology is trumping everything and the prospects of what can be are retaining people's interest. They're like, you know what? The markets are a little crazy, but I'm not getting out. Not really. I'm, you know, now it's like they're sticking around, they're lingering. Last time the, the, the huge meltdown happened. And the the ejections were like complete and final. Now it's like, well, people are still trying to learn. People are still trying to build. It didn't scatter as hard, I feel like, this time around. I think another kind of interesting thing about macro is if you look at equities, equities have gotten just decimated. You know, I mean, you can say on any given equity, it might be down 40%. Some of them are down more than that, 60%, you know, something like Meta just gotten just annihilated, right? If you look at crypto, yep, we're off of our highs, but now we're almost seeing this, uh, we're, we're not seeing crypto get eviscerated on a daily basis like equities are. It's almost like we have a safe haven now. Maybe crypto is be finally becoming that. Like you can see that a lot of crypto has sort of been stable through through what's been going on, at least for the last few months, you know, we saw j just to take a couple, you know, Bitcoin coming off of its high and dropping down around 20,000, but like we, it's been relatively stable at 20,000 and maybe even raising up a bit while, while equity just continues to get ripped. So, you know, may, maybe we're at a, a kind of a point now where th these things are starting to become decoupled because we used to see equities tracking along with crypto pretty lockstep. And now it's, sort of not, which is interesting. Maybe Alameda's out of bullets. Madman, I know, has opinions on this, what Grant just said. In a way, yeah. Um, I was definitely, you know, almost like, it, it definitely sounded like you, JG, was, uh, you know, speaking, you know, my life. You know, I was here since, uh, you know, 2017. And I left, you know, just as you described, you know, when everything crashed, you know, but I told myself watching the markets, you know, year in, year out, just, you know, just saving up my dollars to, you know, to engage in the unit bias that I, you know, that I continue to not shake, you know, and I told myself, you know, um, when the world collapsed, you know, uh, two years ago, you know, that I'm getting in and I'm not getting out this time, you know, this, I'm not letting it happen again. And I, I guess I am a firm standing example of what you're describing, you know, like you're not going to you're not going to shake me out again. I'm here and I'm just going to continue piling more into it. And <laughs> yeah, they, you know, like the, the crash happened the way it did. But I'm still finding myself piling you know, more into it, even though I should be paying my mortgage. But this is the sentiment, right? Like the people are starting to see that, like this technology really does offer something different. The potential is there. And like. The user adoption, what is, I don't know what the market is, but I know that there is a certain point where it just goes like straight up. Like, I, I don't know how many billion people need to, maybe, maybe it is a billion, or maybe it's a couple hundred million. I don't even know. But once there's that user adoption, uh, what is it like? It's almost like an event horizon, right? Or almost something like that, that will ha occur like they did with the internet. And if we're here building, man, I want to be that guy who is selling the shovels to the people going to the gold rush. That is what I want to be doing, right? I want to have infrastructure in place and I want to have quality stuff in place. And like, to me, that seems like the most interesting play. Then I don't have to speculate on tokens. Then we can just earn tokens. That is probably the more 
I'm not a great trader. Maybe that's why I see it like this. I'm gonna be honest. Like I feel every time I buy or sell something, the market does the complete opposite. So, so for me, you know, building was like totally the solution. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, kind of. Go ahead, Batman. No, I was going to basically agree. Um, you know, I originally came for the pump, but I stayed for the use case, and. You know, I see I've I've seen myself turn from you know trader to investor to user to builder, you know, and <laughs> just like you, now I'm thinking to myself, you know what, the the most obvious play is to build shovels and you know give give shovels out to everybody, you know, like as I see it, the awareness is growing, you know, it the, the awareness is growing faster than the adoption, and either way. They both bring us to the, you know, to the end, you know, the end result in the end game. And I'm, I'm here for it. I got my seat and I'm not giving it up. I'm just I'm ordering more beer and more hot dogs. Yeah, I mean, I've, my personal journey um, and this is crash on the YFD um, account. But uh, yeah, my personal journey is similar. Um, absolutely. And I'm not the best trader myself. Um, we have the big brains for that, but that's I think that's the the power of you know getting access to some of these advanced strategies, um, being able to also have some education and understanding. And I mean, honestly, I think the holy grail. We have all these shakeouts e- each time. There's uh, more and more people that stick around, and we'll get to the point. And I think we're getting there closer than people than most realize. We'll get to the point where this is just the underlying technology that is being used and the average like front end user they're not even thinking about it like they're using crypto for different applications which i think is kind of the big potential with cosmos where you have you know these app specific chains that are you know for different use cases connecting directly to the average person and people are using them they're whether it's like a website or whether it's a marketplace or whether it's um you know, a media sort of thing or a content creator and a social token. I'm seeing more and more content creators kind of dipping their toes into some of those concepts. Uh, I mean, you'll get to uh, tickets, you know, on chain, like there's more and more of those, like using NFTs for some of these things where you won't even know that it's necessarily an NFT or crypto that's on the back end, but we're we're building the solutions and the tools to enable all of that and there'll be you know just continual value creation built on top of it just like the internet one you know 1.0 um was super early super filled with um you know scams and confusion and you know just kind of grew and grew so I would love to hear a space you know one of these days uh, you guys talk value creation value capture you know value accrual and, and, and the like, you know, a uh, wise man told me before, you know, in the absence of value, cost becomes an issue. And I've, I've since been kind of, you know, exploring, you know, a journey of understanding what value is. And right now I come to find value, you know, to kind of almost be synonymous with, uh, with utility. You know, so I've been, you know, I've been having internal uh, reflections on, you know, what demands do I see myself having? You know, um, what, what am I doing? And can I understand the demand that I'm, you know, that I'm expecting to be, uh, to, you know, to be met by what I'm doing? And um, it's, 
uh, like I guess it was crash test that oh shit fucking vacuum I got the stupid Roomba uh, sucking up everything fucking up my cables um technology crash, you said that <laughs> yeah right the failure of automation um crash you said that you uh, that you don't find yourself to be, before it becomes sentient you know, big brain. <laughs> yeah, right. And try, you know, try and come after me. That would suck. No, Crash. You said that you weren't a, you know, you weren't like a big brain. But I would love to, you know, hear your, um, yours and Ray's and Grant's, um, you know, uh, perspectives on these types of matters and, you know, the continued discussion, like your, uh, like this pivot to liquid staking and. Know, these strategies like you could you, you could say that you know you guys aren't big brain but you know the bounty structure that you guys are effectively creating in this whole approach to meritocracy and you know the community uh own vaults i think that is big brained as i have to agree 100 percent with you yeah man. yeah and, and i just you. and not saying that i am big brain but i think everybody has their own skill set and i I am definitely not the DeFi strategist trader aspect, but the thought of like the kind of pure behavioral economics aspect and what motivates people. Um, I mean, I come from an education background, so that's the that's kind of the where I come into it, the social aspect of it. Um, that's the stuff that I'm more excited about. And kind of to your point, um, I think JG and Madman, you both said this, like I got in the space, learned about it, and played around with some of these concepts and just like oh there's tons of potential here but that's not really what makes me tick as being a day trader or anything like that i would rather build really useful things that could be super important for the future that could enable you know whether that's like the next big next big thing or whether that's like a a, a charity to be able to like properly know that they're going to get the funding that they need and to be able to um you know, have a have a broader reach. Um, I that's the part that I really get excited about. The like anybody can come in and have a great idea and be connected to those to execute their idea and not be scammed for it. You know, you know I just wanted to chime in. Like uh, we were just in this other chat. I think it got rugged. I think is what happened. Uh, and uh, you know, this yeah. is the this is the whole thing. It's like you guys are tackling one of the hardest things that in the space is this governance and like, how does these, these decentralized uh, groups execute and like, how do we move with speed? Right. And like, and, and how, you know, this other gentleman kept wanting to hold somebody responsible and kept web re referencing like these web two business models. You know, personally, I'm of the opposite. I love the fact that the permissionlessness, I love that anybody can come participate, but we, we need to find a way to protect our communities and, you know, that is the hardest thing. They can figure out the tokens, right? We, we've already figured that out. We got great tokenomic structures. We have not such great governance structures. And like, so I'm excited about this. This is hard. This is big brain stuff, man. It is. So like the issue is twofold, right? The one is the people making money now have no incentive to change anything. So they're going to continue to just let the, everything be sloppy and loose because it benefits them and having people I mean, I don't know how many times we hear a narrative or we see a written narrative and then we see behavior be totally something different, right? I mean, that's the, that's the play right now. So we have to, you know, from our perspective, like we have nothing to lose in that sense where we just have to come in and you have to build a system that 
puts in firm guardrails on how participation and behavior can operate within the system. And there can't be any, well, oh, in case of emergency, we can do this one thing that we promise we'll never do, but inevitably gets enacted when it's convenient for whatever actors are involved. So, I mean, I think the, the way to change the space and what we're trying to do is to actually set uh, a level playing field where all the all the parts and are transparent and upfront, and there isn't any ability to operate behind the scenes. Everything has to be done on chain, and everything has to be done through the community. So you can rug the community, but it's going to be the community rugging itself essentially. You know, there isn't any of this backdoor admin stuff. Yeah, and I tying it back to um, the like providing value, building value on top of something. Like I do think that there is you know, full circle back to liquid staking, B assets, some of those concepts. Like there is value in some of the mechanisms to stabilize an economy, to um, you know, our the the arbs back and forth for you know that that sort of like the automation and you know the things that have been developed with bots for instance like is there a way to set up an environment where those mechanisms that are providing the value are the underpinning of these strategies that can be owned by anybody instead of it being a particular you know trader that's doing it or a protocol or alameda research or whatever doing some of these strategies to the detriment and extracting value it's looking at what's necessary to keep things functional and sustainable long term and you know can you turn those into a vault can you turn those into a strategy that anyone can own a piece of and they're actually supporting the ecosystem through these things as opposed to it being something to like guard against um i just want to say that you know everything you're saying i feel that we're in like that that the skeleton punks and backbone labs are in a unique position to have Y Foundry come and, and see if they can solve the problem with us. Because if you think about it, everything that you say, our project looks to do. And if we're going to put this out, we need to start with our own side of the street and make sure we're clean too. You know, I would propose this self-bonding, um, you know, NFT thing, launching mechanism. And, you know, we are going to be a DAO. That's like, the heart and soul of what we want to do for the skeleton punk. So, you know, I, I, I invite you guys and I challenge you guys to help, help me figure out how to make implement that for our DAO, right? You guys have a blank slate. Like I don't have the information to do that. And you guys have the expertise necessary to make that happen with us. Yeah. And we're totally happy to help anybody like answer the hard questions on what it takes to become a DAO or how it takes to, or what it takes to operate as a DAO. Like what are the, minimum standards you probably should achieve and eventually we'll write documentation you know to articulate all this i mean i think to speak to the skeleton punks and i'll jump back into that i think you guys can can go ahead and submit a vault with specifications for exactly what you want to do in the proposal process when we go live in a couple weeks and you know that can either be funded by yourselves or it can be funded by the community if there's you know if you're willing to give up a percentage of the share to have the labor you know, be subsidized by the YFD community. I mean, that's an option and we'll help you develop that proposal uh, in terms of making sure that it's solvent and, and complete, complete in the way that a developer could actually, you know, generate what you're, what you're asking them to do. So uh, just so you know, like for us, if you help us, 
uh, then we want you to be able to make money too. So if you're assisting in this endeavor, then we want to also support you guys and your earning as well, right? Like the whole point of like these, these connections and these ties, like we're all trying to like lift each other up in the bear market because we all know what's going to happen in the bull, but we got to, we're like a lot of little rafts right now. And if we all tie together, we can kind of become like a big party barge in the, in the downtime, you know, and then when we're good again, we can, we can all be successful. Yeah. If, if I can like totally channel my Boulder, Colorado, Naropa University bullshit experience of new age stuff is like, you have to shed, like what we're doing as YFD is shedding the ego of that. There's like no, it's the, the community is in charge of all of this stuff. So it's, it's up to the community to decide. I mean, we can help guide it and we can help, you know, make it, make it the most uh, effective thing it can be. But, but in terms of like deciding what the community wants to do, it's, it's, uh, it's out of our hands in terms of who you're speaking to in this, in this chat. Oh, no, no. I miss, but I just mean like, we need, we need help with, just the infrastructure, right? That's what you guys are the experts at. You know, we need we need this DAO infrastructure. We need this locked in. We want to make sure that, you know, like I said, this this is our goal is to always really try to unwreck our community members. And we have this plan in place to where we believe if we have some bull market returns again that it, it has a real shot to have an impact on, on our on our communities, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Participation. And so totally. I think like the DAO is the best participation model. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, reading up on Robert's Rules of Order is a good thing to start on, too. That helps organize that that structure as well. And taking meeting minute notes and making those hey, what, public. What was that called? What was that called? What, what, Robert's what? Rules of Order. Robert's Rules Parliamentary of Order. Procedure. I mean, it's basically right. what the globe has been using for uh, at least 100 years, 150 years now. So, um, but I wanted to say, too, that, you know, all of the interesting thing that I think we we kind of realized be, having come from the Terra space and the Luna space is that, you know, the the intangible, like the the X factor in all of this is community. Like anybody, you know, everybody needs shoes, but it, is it really that difference between Nike and Adidas and, and Reebok and Vans and, well, Vans maybe, but you know what I mean? It's like you really have to build the community. And I know you guys are working really hard to do that. And it's the same thing with YFD. It's like building a community builds the trust and builds that reputation. And I think seeing what's going to come forward is going to be heavily built on community because the technologies are relatively similar between a lot of protocols that are available. Yeah. I mean, you just think about the value too. Um, I don't think that the shares of a company fully encapsulates the value of the network um, and the community when you really look at it. Um, there's just think about how much activity is outside Nike as the example, like how much activity is around, you know, um, sharing, you know, your collection and collecting and the community communities and sub communities based off of that to support I mean, that's really where you get into the social aspect of it, social tokens and the power there. Um, I, I think like the we have the tools for the first time ever to have possibly some mechanisms where the network is valued um, and it's not a separate thing to what, uh, you know, you may have shares of a company and whatnot. And the users, you know, just kind of being either doing this stuff for the love of it or, you know, it's being extractive to the user. 
Now, circling back to the liquid staking, you know, portion and the B assets and, you know, what we're talking about now, I'll like trying to connect that in because um, I, 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 I may be, you know, uh, behind the eight ball, um, you know, well, I'm definitely not behind eight ball, but if I'm, I'm definitely behind the ball. Well, I'm behind on the whole game. I'm day late and dollar short, as I like to say it. Um, but, but I wanted to ask if the question has been answered of maintaining, um, you know, uh, a, a governance power uh, while, you know, being with, uh, you know, a liquid stake derivatives, you know, because when you when you're engaging in that, you're kind of like you're forfeiting your voting rights to the contract. But as you know, are there new implementations now such that while holding the, you know, the the liquid asset, you can, you know, still engage in this, you know, with the same kind of, you know, voting power. And I asked that because, you know, looking at the different um, B assets that are starting to emerge and right now on um, what's uh, taken my focus is uh, Kava, um, one of uh, one of the sister chains to Terra. Um, they, they recently launched their um, their liquid stake uh, Kava token, B Kava, and effectively um, you could, you know, it redeem it immediately for uh, you know a delegation to the validator, you know, and just go back to validator staking so that you could you know effectively engage in uh, in governance voting, and then you know uh, just for like what point zero five power you can you know send it back to um, you know to liquid staking and go you know and continue on your merry way. Um, is no. that the only answer, or do we have other um, solutions and approaches to being able to engage in governance while um, you know, remaining liquid? So Kava is a weird example in the sense that 60-some percent of the voting tokens are owned by basically five validators. So essentially, there is no community voting on Kava. Um, they're very, very centralized, but I know they're trying to decentralize that. I don't know. Yeah, if I, I do hear that they're bullies, in the manner of speaking. Well, they're bullies in that people are upset because they have a lot of money and they're bringing over projects. Like, I, they're the, the true Cosmos people have like some chip on their shoulder about how they're not truly part of the Cosmoverse. And I would uh, disagree with that, but. Um, yeah, there's it's purest, you know, opinion arguments. But I think in general, Madman, um, I, I just think like there's something to the power of um, if you have an actual community ownership of whatever you know you're putting into. So you think about like the LP staking or just staking in general. You're staking it through a protocol for something liquid, like as long as you have um, a say-so with that sub-community, wherever you're staking that and getting that value, you've got the ability to still cast your vote on the things that are relevant. And maybe it's you are, uh, it, it's almost like a, a move to, you know, smaller and smaller concentric circles of like localization of governance. Like what do each of these like sub DAOs or even sub communities of sub communities actually care about. And there's potential there, I think to, okay, well, I'm putting my, putting my uh, Luna with this particular sub community because, you know, I care about these issues and this is what this community cares about. You still have the opportunity to vote on all of that stuff, 
but you're voting within a sub community that's essentially like pulling those votes in the larger like decision. And I think that'll vary depending on how that sub community set up, how the DAO's set up. But that's kind of what that's my thoughts of it. And honestly, like I, I'm a huge fan of like governance closer to what you actually care about anyway. So I think you set that up right. Um, it could be a better way of organizing and there's less voter fatigue for the like stuff that you don't care about. So to, to give a little alpha on something we've been playing around with, I've been playing around with is actually having it so that um, for the underlying assets that are deposited into YFD vaults, if those YFD vault deposits go to validators or go to governance on a secondary market um, like Astro or other things that <clears throat> that the vaults themselves can pull the proposals from the outside governance market and the depositors and participants in the vault can actually vote as a block to take action against the outside governance proposals. I'm going to wait till Terraspaces uh, publishes this, and I'm going to redigest that. Yeah, well, feel yeah. free to ask any questions. And honestly, to the group, I've seen more have joined. Um, feel free to ask speaker, join the discussion. Um, would love to hear from you. Yeah, so if you, uh, just to expose, uh, expouse on that a little bit, is like if you had, if you had a group of people who believed that a certain action should be taken in Terra governance, like maybe the community fund should work a particular way you could have those people deposit their luna into a yfd vault that was built uh to basically vote as a block for a particular governance action like community funds go to um you know or community fund vault right where basically they're going to want to vote on community fund action and so they would override the validator votes by calling their delegations to actually take action against a particular uh, proposal when it came up in the Terra space on a Terra station. I, I think I understand now. Um, and it was kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of speaks to what I was you know, almost thinking in my, in my head originally. Um, but for, like I wouldn't say for some reason, because I guess I'm crazy. Um, I was originally thinking that it would like be deferred to like ownership of the NFT that was bound to be, you know, to the vault that, you know, such, um, you know, like it would extend itself to like some sort of proxy voting mechanism where the, you know, where the vault would, you know, would determine, you know, how to vote, uh, you know, according to what a separate set of voting standards. And I guess, um, you know, based on percentage, you know, like 60% say, you know, say yes, and 40% say no, then only 60% of the, um, you know, of the tokens, you know, would be used to vote that yes into the larger proposal. I'm not even sure if that, if that if it really needs to lend itself to the need of, uh, you know, of the ownership of an NFT to pull that off. Not to say that, you know, that you shouldn't have an NFT, but yeah, it almost that. It just you know that there's more than one way to the deli as long as we all get our cheese, I guess. Exactly. No, and and I think you know the beautiful thing about the way we're doing the YFD stuff is that you could have um, multiple iterations of the same of the same vault structure and strategy. Like the vaults code themselves is going to be public, so 
you know, somebody wants 100% of the vote goes to the majority vote and another group wants uh, vote votes evenly distributed based on, you know, voting vote. And the, the community can decide. Hopefully they have that discussion before they even start the vault process. But if for some reason it fractures, it doesn't affect YFD. They still receive the same percentage of revenue depending on whether it's in, in irrelevant of whether it's in five volts or two volts. It doesn't really fracture the liquidity either in the sense that it all goes back to the same underlying structure. So, so I don't really see there being other than the, the confusing nature of having a ton of vaults that do almost the same thing, there's really nothing uh, inherently inefficient about having multiple vaults in terms of a uh, capital efficiency. And I think that's probably where I confuse myself because um, you know these are like uh, you know like LP vaults, right? You know, so it's it's really more of the yield that's kind of the focus, and less the uh, the need for the governance. And I would just you know. I was spitballing originally on the, the matters of the, you know, the voting rights, you know, being forfeited to the contract. But then I also think about you know, now, you know, having gotten this far into the discussion, the, you know, what, you know, what voting rights you end up forfeiting into the, uh, the LP contract along the way. So I would wonder if even the vaults can, can exact such kind of, uh, you know, governance power, you know, um, for the broader, you know, you know, for the broader underlying assets uh, governance proposals. So well, I guess I might have thought myself out of existence. No, I would be clear and say that the, the LP contracts wouldn't have any governance power because the, the LPs themselves have already, I mean, they don't have governance power to begin with. These specifically would be right. more, more like um, you're going to do revenue based on, you know, staking with the validators, which in, in the old form would have been getting the, you know, not in the old form, but in, in, a, in one form would be getting like B Luna, Bone Luna, right? But in a new form, um, doing with what Mars is doing with Rover and Mars 2.0, uh, Mars is building a credit, uh, a credit system that basically will allow you to borrow against your positions in, in accredited vaults. And we've been working with Mars and talking with them in the past um, about you know, qualifying uh, YFD vaults for use in the Mars credit program. So potentially staking in a YFD vault could actually allow you to borrow against your position in the YFD vault as well. Um, and so you could have the voting rights, plus you could have some liquidity out of it to do something else with. Totally like tangential to what we were talking about, but I don't think LP vaults have any voting rights. So this would, the voting thing would be specifically more towards uh, assets that actually have voting capacity. Right. Good stuff. And thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. I think we're like, we're kind of ramping up. I mean, hopefully this is the bottom. Who knows what the macro view, you know, what happens in the macro view. But in terms of uh, stuff starting to come online, I think we've got Neptune possibly coming online. Um, and we've got some other protocols coming online. We've got this cool stuff coming from skeleton, uh, skeleton punks and yeah, it's an exciting time to be in crypto at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. A great time to build. And I'm excited to see, you know, more and more of these possibilities be reconfigured in different ways. And that whole composability aspect of it. Um, that's something that I'm excited about for these vaults is 
essentially building out over time this code library of verified like validated strategies that have also been audited on a micro scale um and, and tested and then you know we kind of know okay well this one's good this is you know solid for this particular purpose and then you can iterate and add layers on top of it i think it's just going to be really powerful yeah i mean because you think about it, it, like once you open source stuff in this environment, people are going to copy it and use it, which is cool because it adds validity to your ideas. So really the core feature of any of these protocols is community and culture and actually upholding and having some sort of, you know, connection beyond the code itself. Yeah, absolutely. The differentiator is it's not the tech as it is in possibly Web 2, Web 3. I think the differentiator is definitely the brand and the community for sure. Does anybody have any questions? Not yet at the moment. If there's anybody downstairs, uh, feel free to come up and knock. Deebs, you've always got questions. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of the two-part Why Foundry DAO Space Pivot to Liquid Staking and Bassets. Recorded on Sunday, November 6th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support there. Well, we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep a hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Laser beam focused, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, vision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble billion. Little den envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the birds do. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle men, listen to the fiddle man, play a little ditty then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem
reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Chandler Spaces Chandler Spaces